welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker, a comedian, and their wonderful guests seize the day and carpe diem our way through the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with these our modern grown-up eyes to see how they hold up. And today we're talking about Dead Poets Society, a movie selection from 1989, about which Google says, A new English teacher, John Keating, is introduced to an all-boys preparatory school that is known for its ancient traditions and high standards. He uses unorthodox methods to reach out to his students, who face enormous pressures from their parents and the school. With Keating's help, students Neil Perry and Todd Anderson and others learn to break out of their shells, pursue their dreams, and seize the day. And that's all that they describe for the movie <laughs> Dead Poet Society. Um, I'm Chrissy Lenz, uh, a uh, improv comedian and director of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona. And with me uh, today is... Uh, the master of um, protracted self-introductions, Nathan Blackwell, also a filmmaker. Also a filmmaker. <laughs> Um, and I'm Megan uh, Hughes-Reeney, um, an actor, director, teacher, educator, slash woman of many talents. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, star of our favorite uh, micro-budget feature film, The Last Movie Ever Made. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> Uh, we're so excited to have you, Megan. Have you seen the Dead Poet Society before? Yes, yes, many times actually. When I was really young, it was I was a favorite. Yeah, for me too. I think uh, for young girls, it's a, a bit of a dreamy movie. <laughs> um, as sad as it is, the, yeah. there's a whole lot that happens before it gets real sad. Mm -hmm. uh, what about for you, Nathan? This is the second time I've seen the movie. Oh, um, really? Yeah, it, but it's. I always look. I I always had. I always look back on it fondly. So it's not like, oh well, no, nah, all right, wasn't my thing. It's like sometimes there's movies that emotionally affect you that you might not return to. Mm -hmm. You know, um, for whatever reason. You know, um, but yeah, I think the last time I saw this, I rented it on VHS. Oh, boy. So it's been a while. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot that I remembered. There's also a lot I didn't remember. Mm hmm. So. What the jumps out to you as something that was new this time? Um, it was really more about the, um, the individual characters like I had forgotten how much like what how was like if you had asked me was Ethan Hawke the main character I would have said yes yeah but this time around no not really like he doesn't have mm -hmm. a lot of screen time he he no. in a lot of in a lot of ways he's the the witness to the transformation that mm -hmm. the other characters have you know right and it's interesting you you occasionally get these characters and you know, where a lot of the boys are going through wild, big transformations and big risks, you have like the younger kid who is not ready to make that commitment. And then to make the climax like big and exciting, they make the transfer, they make the turn, 
you know, they mm-hmm. make the transformation towards uh, the commitment of the, you know, it's like any of these things, it's like, you know, the theme, which is like, this thing is good. And the anti-theme, no, no, this is the, that's bad. That's bad. And, and so in a lot, especially in dramas, like it's an argument between them, you know, this is mm-hmm. a movie about like, right off the bat, we immediately understand that this is okay in the past. It's mm-hmm. a, like, it's about conformity. It's about boom. They hit us like with a giant banner that says tradition. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a lot of white boys in here. You know, it's yeah. like, it's very kind of like I pre Ivy league, you know, and it's all about like pressure and conformity. And we get all that like in the first like few minutes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That is where we start with uh, candle lighting and bagpipes playing and uh, young boys chanting the four pillars of excellence at Welton Academy, which is, as they say, the best preparatory school in the, new- in the United States. Uh, they've got a new teacher this year, Mr. Keating. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Was this like um, his first dramatic role was it should we look this was pretty early on he he did seem so much younger to me this time oh yeah yeah. absolutely i mean it was crazy to me how how young he seemed there are some people who always seem like they've been adults you know and you can see the young man in him even though he's probably like in his mid-30s I'm sure a lot of that is uh, having aged myself. Um. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this is pretty early on in Robin Williams's career. Um, And, you know, I would say that even though it's a a dramatic role, he still brings lots of comedy to it. You know, his Mm. uh, his take it. This would be a different movie if it was anyone other than Robin Williams playing that role. Yeah. It's one of the things that makes him so lovable, really. Mm-hmm. relatable to the kids. Mm-hmm. What about this one, The World According to Garp? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Is that dramatic? Yeah, it's but it's also a little kind of like... Comedy drama. Comedy-ish, weirdish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got like a certain Forrest Gumpy, like going throughout time and doing weird things. Not literally time, but, you know, mm-hmm. been a while. Um, Robin Williams is obviously uh, a brilliant comedic genius, but I love him in his dramatic roles as well. Like the fact that he is so funny and has uh, such range, I think just opens him up to have like a, a big, big depth of seriousness mm-hmm. that you, uh, when you get to peek into it, it's a real treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He like in Goodwill hunting and this, you can sense like the darkness, you know, mm-hmm. and you can sense the depth and you can sense like the sadness. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things he brings. Yeah. Well, and um, I think the best comedy comes from a place of truth too. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he, what he pro- portrays or what he brings out is, um, is a, a really strong authenticity. And I think mm-hmm. that when you're watching him at, either in a funny role or in a serious role, um, that, I think stands out um, and it really helps you relate to him as a character. And I think it, it probably helps all of his, his castmates too, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So we meet we meet the people of Welton Academy. We meet all the boys and their study group. We meet Neil and Neil is uh, trying to uh, ingratiate. Neil is Robert John Leonard and he's like the main boy, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, yes, the main boy. <laughs> the main boy. He plays main boy. <laughs> he is uh, reaching out to Todd, who's played by Ethan Hawke, who we learn is like this quiet, shy, little, uh, mousy, um, secondary boy. <laughs> and <laughs> he's mm-hmm. uh, trying to include him in the study group and trying to get him to, uh, you know, be a good roommate uh, and stuff. We meet Neil's father, who's Red from that 70s show. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. is playing uh, just a real... Uh, piece of work. Dodgy, yeah, a real piece of work. <laughs> That's the way to say it. He uh, he comes into the boys' room and tells Neil that he has to drop his uh, school annual where he is supposed to be the assistant editor because he's taking too many. He's decided that Neil has too many extracurriculars, so he has to drop out of the school annual uh, so that he can better focus on his studies. And you just get the mm-hmm. sense immediately from this interaction that Neil's father controls his whole entire life. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's probably and, and at this school, it's not out of the ordinary at all like all you very early on get a sense that all these kids are under just like a vice of pressure yeah. well even mm-hmm. ethan Hawke's character his brother was valedictorian previously mm-hmm. at the school mm-hmm. so yeah um i thought that that scene was such a good uh beginning of the introduction because even the the other boys are like you can't take don't let him do that to you and he's like oh yeah like you would do anything about it Mm -hmm. if your father told you you had to Mm -hmm. drop the annual like it's really quite sad but we get the we get the right sense that these are boys who are mr future lawyer and mr future banker Mm -hmm. they're just living to meet the expectations of their parents. Um, We meet all the teachers. They're all very serious, even though it's the first day of school. They're all like very, very serious and assigning homework and being Mm -hmm. um, butthead. Very, very old. (laughs) They're all very, very old. old. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, you see all the teachers and you can just see like the old man white lineage. Like you almost expect there to be like a scene where the, <laughs> there's like a um what are they um like a like the like a private secret society like the Shriners or the, like the um, skulls. The uh, no not the skulls but the Freemasons, you know. Um yeah. And it's very much kind of like the old scholarly tradition to where even, you know, like, you know, we see that we see a peak of, I think that one of the things that really helped that really sells it is getting like a minute in each of these other classes of like Mm -hmm. trigonometry and history. And that sets us up to how different Robin Williams class is going to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He leads the boys out of the room whistling and takes them into the like school lobby and uh, mm-hmm. uh, has them look at all the uh, old pictures of the boys that came before them. And it's inspiring interlude number one with uh, Mr. Keating or for the slightly more daring, oh, Captain, my captain. 
and immediately they're like, this is going to be different than the other kids. This is He's going to tell them to seize the day and make their lives extraordinary. Uh, and this is his first class with them. And then the boys are all like, do you think he's going to test us on this stuff? <laughs> that scene was really impactful for me. <laughs> I was yeah. like sitting there watching it and I don't even really remember it the first time. But now, I mean, after watching it, I've thought about it many times and just about just because he was saying all these young boys were once where you you are today and now they're gone like they're mm-hmm. worm food you know mm-hmm. and that idea that everything is just temporary um, but at that age especially everything feels so serious so immediate so important um, and I think we still get caught up in that in our daily lives sometimes and so that that's a good reminder something to think about mm-hmm. yeah yeah sure. e- even though it's been so long ago, like that's where I learned the phrase carpe diem, yeah, you know, and the, and the importance of it. Yeah, it just is like he's really teaching them these lessons that I think are so essential. Like I want my kids to learn these lessons. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He's jumping in on day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Mind it, it, blown, boys. It's you know, it's like. It's really the 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 difference between teaching a science or teaching an exact science that is like history or math or any of these other subjects and teaching them art, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and teaching them something that's supposed to engage them emotionally. And it's like that introduction that they rip out. The whole introduction is about looking at poetry analytically. Mm-hmm. To look at it and put the poem that you just read on a graph. And it's like, okay, how successful were it, was it? How, quote, emotional was it, et cetera, et cetera. Good. Now I've placed it on a graph. Now you have successfully consumed a poem, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's that desire to want to control, you know, that I think mm-hmm. comes from so much of society. And, and you see that from the the white hairs, you know, at the school. <laughs> yeah. They want to be in control of everything and, and finding a way to sort of fit everything within a box. And unfortunately, art just doesn't or fortunately, art just doesn't work that way, you know. No, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately for them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the message that he's trying to get across to them and that he says in the in this their first real lesson where they rip out the pages is that uh, poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. So being a lawyer, being a banker, uh, these are all important pursuits and uh, necessary to sustain life. But the poetry and the beauty is what is what you live for. It's the point of living. And for all these boys, the point of living is just the getting the grade just to getting to the end, just to be the lawyer and the banker and, and to be the success, uh, you know, so he's trying to say like, but what's the point of all that if you can't find a moment of beauty and love? Mm-hmm. The other teachers are not on board with this. There's one teacher in particular who says, don't encourage them to be artists. When they find out they're not artists, they'll hate you for it. And he's like, well, I just want them to be free thinkers. And they're all like, free thinkers at 17. Ho, 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 So the boys find an old school annual and they uh, read up on Mr. Keating and find out that he was part of something called the Dead Poets Society. 
They track him down and ask him, what was it? And they here we get inspiring speech number three. Mm-hmm. He said they would read poetry together in the old abandoned Indian cave and gods were created those nights. Uh, so Neil wants to go and do a dead poets. Let's do it. Let's go do a dead poets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this is a lot of this movie is kind of a reverse telling of um of Harry Potter <laughs> of, of like when they do the Dumbledore's army, you know, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, Dumbledore did this. We're, we're going to do this. You know, and Mr. Keating doesn't know they're going off into a cave and reenacting his old uh, poetry society, you know. But, but he does give Neil the book. Mm-hmm. He gives Neil the Dead Poets uh, book. Mm-hmm. So right. he maybe does know. Yeah, I think or he assumes or he hopes that they will. And I just love that this is their, like biggest form of rebellion is they're going to go off into a cave and read poetry yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, okay. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty amazing uh-huh they have to sneak out to go to this cave uh so it did poet society meeting number one they read the walt whitman poem uh i wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life and not when i had come to die discover that i had not lived they have snacks. They're like, everybody cough up your snacks. And they're just like loose <laughs> cookies on the cave floor. Um, and uh, they tell ghost stories to each other. And they just spend a delightful evening in the cave entertaining each other. We go back to Keating's class. He's telling them about Shakespeare and making it more fun. Doing Robin Williams impressions of uh, what if John Wayne was doing Macbeth. Uh, and he tells them that they have to stand on his desk to change perspectives. So every time you think you've got a handle on something, you have to change your perspective and see it in a new way. Um, and he gives them an assignment that they have to write a poem to recite in class, which scares Ethan Hawke's character to death. Mm-hmm. We get a montage of them doing stuff. And then all of a sudden, Neil wants to be in a Midsummer Night's Dream. He wants to act. He's been inspired to do what he wants to do. And what he wants to do is act in a play, a Midsummer Night's Dream. Todd is being a naysayer. What if you you'll have to tell your father? You'll never get away with it. Uh, Just ask him first. And uh, Neil's like, no, I'd rather ask forgiveness than permission, which is probably wise. If he actually wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Neil encourages Todd to try and come out of his shell a little bit. Meanwhile, one of our other friends, the characters, Knox Overstreet, has been falling in love with a girl named Chris. And he uh, rides his bike to a football game to try and be with her. But she is, of course, dating a football player. So he's got this unrequited love thing happening. Which is our B story. Mm-hmm. Knox Overstreet is in love with a girl named Chris. Just a little creepy. Just a little <laughs> creepy. Only if it doesn't work out. That's the that's the oh. movie rule, apparently, right? Is it? Is, I mean, sure. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. It, I, 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 most romantic plots in movies are problematic or in fiction yeah. shall we say because i don't think movies invented them you know yeah, yeah. um that's oh, just sure. all i watch or, or i consume so that's all i know um so mm-hmm. but yeah 
that's that's a sidetrack. But yeah, I, I think most romantic stories, if they didn't turn out well, are generally pretty creepy and stalkery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Knox gets pretty stalkery uh, later in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I definitely saw it in a different light than I did the first time. I think, you know, like as a young, young person watching this, I, I didn't and I don't know how much of that is was my age or sort of how things have changed in society, in our society as well, in terms of uh, our acceptance slash no longer acceptance of um, certain ideas that it's OK to sort of, um, you know, Smooch someone who force yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> So anyway, yes, we could talk more about that later. Mm. But. Yes, but for now, for the 1950s, for the Dead Poet Society, for the 1989, it's cute. He <laughs> loves her. He yeah. met her once at a dinner with her boyfriend, and he loves her. Uh, we get the Keating class where he has them recite the poetry and kick the soccer balls. That's one of my favorite parts where he's like, we have to be, we read the line of the poetry and kick the soccer ball. <laughs> it's, uh, I think, really nice. Uh, Neil gets the part of Puck. He forges a letter from his dad and Mr. Nolan, giving himself permission to be in the play, which seems pretty easy. He just types it on the typewriter. Mm-hmm. I give my permission. <laughs> uh, so then we get the scene where they're reading their poems. And Knox reads his poem for Chris. And the the reluctant boy reads his poem, The Cat Sat on the Mat. And Mr. Anderson, Todd, Ethan Hawke, didn't write a poem. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, this uh, inspires Mr. Keating to get him to write a poem on the spot. Mm-hmm. He... Um, Writes on the board, I sound my barbaric yop from the rooftops of the world. And at first he gets Todd to just yop. He's trying to get him to yop and get his yop out. And then he uh, sort of forces him to write himself a poem uh, by looking at Walt Whitman. Well, I think interestingly, too, is that we know that Todd has been writing poems this whole time and just mm-hmm. never thought they were ever good enough. So mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of a, a fun sort of revelation for him, <laughs> fun revelation, but yeah, it's a, it's a great one because you can really see that he is a creative mind and has just been stifled basically. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's a really moving scene, but it's a, a little bit awkward as well because uh, Robin Williams is really forcing Ethan Hawke to, to, burst through mm-hmm. his bubble and it, it's a little painful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it's interesting like looking through so looking through because I think we we all have teaching experience you know to look at this through the lens of of being a teacher you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and how you interact with the students you know yeah I mean that could have failed miserably yeah yeah <laughs> Like, how do you feel? How do you feel? Robin Williams' character rides the line of inspiring them, or maybe being too unorthodox. Well, the movie wants us to believe that all of his unorthodox behavior was uh, to the good. 
you know? Yeah. But I think this scene is a little bit like he's putting too much pressure on Todd and it, it does go well because it's a movie, but like he could have <laughs> like scared the shit out of that kid, you know, mm-hmm. and really traumatized him. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't do something like that in my classroom. <laughs> no, it's yeah. like, all right, well, you're obviously going to fail. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah I, I think for the most part, he doesn't really cross the line of, of too unconventional too, or anything that's too radical. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike some movies we've seen, and I, I can't think of any specific, I have the, the vague cloudy memory of seeing some of these where you get the revolutionary teacher who, who is, is going to, it's probably Harry Potter. Let's be honest. Um, But where they try to um, break the mold so hard that like, you know, the kid could literally die in this, (laughs) in this test, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like brew up some poison, everyone like some Mm -hmm. living death. Oh, good job. Um. <laughs> yeah, you did great. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I mean, there are certain things, too, that we see as an audience watching the film that we know that this is going to be successful. You know, knowing that that Todd has been working on this poem this whole time, knowing that he really wants to break out. But Robin Williams does not know that as the teacher. He's not, <laughs> you know, an all, all-seeing God watching everything from above, you know. So, yeah, it's it's dangerous. It's a dangerous uh <laughs> attempt i i would say i'm glad that it works out in the film but but yeah (laughs) right Mm -hmm. and you know and the other thing too that that he that robin williams doesn't really know that that we know is that these boys are all very close to one another like even Mm -hmm. though it's only been a few months that todd's been there it's a there's a comfort you know and there's a familiarity with all of the students in the room where you know I mean, Robin Williams might know a bit of that having been a student there himself. But at the end of the day, when you're asking a student to get up in front of their classmates and perform something on the fly, like you really, you know, you don't know what their the, their situation or relationship is with the other students. And, and putting that pressure on, on someone is pretty, pretty intense. Yeah, there's a reason people fear public speaking more than death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we get the second Dead Poet Society movie. Movie. We get the second Dead Poet Society meeting. Charlie plays his saxophone, and uh, Knox reveals that if he can't have Chris, he's going to die. He's going to die if he can't have it. So they all (laughs) run back into the school, and he calls her on the phone, and she invites him to a party, and he's like, "She was thinking about me." Oh. Uh, Keating's class they do the class where they walk around and he's like find your own footsteps boys don't fall into the rhythm with the others Mm -hmm. Uh, it's Todd's birthday he gets a desk set he gets the same desk set as he's already got and Neil and he throw it off the roof Dead Poet Society meeting number three Charlie brings girls and declares that he will be from now on known as Nwanda yeah, so this is where um, we really start to get big transformation from some of the characters. Like, at this point, they're now f- radical. Some of them are radical or f- definitely have taken the free-thinking uh, boat. Um, mm-hmm. And they're totally on that page, and they're testing their boundaries and their um, 
we we're seeing the train coming down the track of how this is all because right now they're still in their bubble you know they're still yeah. in their their world and they're all energized by this but we're just now seeing that that the consequences of interacting with their environment are coming mm-hmm. yes um so we're cutting between the third dead poet society movie where there's girls and he's reading them poetry and pretending he wrote the poetry and the party where Knox is getting drunk and everyone's making out around him and he ends up sitting on the couch with a passed out Chris basically in his lap. He gets busted because he's like leaning over her, petting her like a kitty. Kissing her forehead. Kissing uh-huh. yeah, her forehead. <laughs> and uh the her boyfriend and all the other jocks like beat the crap out of him and like stay away from her which is like they're sort of coming to her rescue in a way like I, they don't know that their, but, I, but i'm on their <laughs> side yeah you know I mean, he, if he hadn't been stopped what would have happened <laughs> i know he's gonna like make out with her oh god <laughs> i want to like him so <laughs> They all just got too drunk, too drunk at this party, which is like, is he not going to get in like big time trouble for that when he goes back to school? Good question. But apparently he doesn't. But speaking of getting in trouble, Charlie published an article in the school newspaper about letting girls into Welton. Uh, Everybody gets in trouble. They're having a, a little meeting and Charlie gets a phone call from God wanting them to let girls into Welton. And rather than give up the Dead Poets Society, he gets paddled on the ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty extreme. I didn't know that yeah. they were doing that to high schoolers. Yeah. Mr. Keating uh, and Nolan have a little confrontation and he's like, don't let these boys think for themselves. And Mr. Keating's like, I thought we were supposed to be teaching them to think for themselves. And he's like, no, we need to stop them from thinking for themselves. Uh, Nuwanda is telling the story of uh, getting his ass beat by Nolan and Keating comes in and tells him to be cautious he says you need to be uh, cautious be daring but don't be stupid and get yourself thrown out of school keep your head about you what did you guys mm. think of that scene of Mr. Keating being like oh whoa 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 <laughs> yeah Chill. really interesting yeah um, I liked it I think I think it was a, a really another good sort of teaching moment um, because I think it's true, like to to an extent as as an artist or as a free thinker, you need to be willing to take these huge risks. But if you if you take it too far, people won't listen to you. There won't be change. Nothing, you know, nothing will come of it because you'll be seen as being too radical or too out there or or mm-hmm. too s- silly or stupid, you know. So I think there was. Um, I, I felt like that was the greater message there uh, when he was yeah. speaking to them. It's interesting because you are siding with the kids. You're wanting to, them to rebel. Mm-hmm. And you want Robin Williams to say, yes, you're doing exactly what I wanted. But he's saying he's dialing it down. It's like, look, don't burn your don't burn your your boat down in the middle of the, the ocean. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. To get what they want, they have to to be able to stay within 
within this environment that they're in, you know, in order to, to sort of continue to live their lives and, and, um, and to, they want to seize the day, but they want to do it within this world, right? And mm-hmm. so in order to stay within this world, you do have to abide by certain rules and certain um, standards that, that yeah, they're pushing those boundaries, but they don't want to completely destroy their chances of being able to continue to push the boundaries. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he still wants them to graduate. And then when they're adults, they can kind of do whatever mm-hmm. they want. Mm-hmm. So Neil is going to rehearsal, uh, but his father finds out and comes to the school and is very mad and says, you cannot do this play. You will not let me down. You're out of the play. And Neil's like, but it's tomorrow. And he's like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, the whole time made me think like, what about Mm -hmm. his commitment? He made a commitment. You're trying to teach him to honor his commitments. He's going to let all these people down if he has to drop out of the play. Mm -hmm. Neil's dad doesn't care. Neil goes to see Mr. Keating and uh, Mr. Keating says, you need to talk to your dad and tell him what you've told me that acting is your passion and that you uh, just really need to do this. And uh, if you tell him the way you told me, he'll be persuaded and, and it'll all go your way. Knox goes to see Chris at her school with flowers and a poem, which is so embarrassing for her. He breaks into her classroom and reads a poem to her <laughs> in front of her whole mm-hmm. school. Uh, Neil says to Keating that his he talked to his dad and his dad said it was okay for him to do the play, which is a straight up lie. Mm-hmm. Where do we think he went? Like that was something I was because he we see him getting on his bike and dri- riding, right? Or no. Was that Knox? That was Knox. Okay. I think he. I think he just pretended. I think. I don't think he yeah. like even was gonna ever talk to his dad. Go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like he put on like a fake voice. Boom, boom. Hello, Dad. And <laughs> people are like listening to the hall. It's like his dad's here. <laughs> um. So the boys are getting ready to go to the play. Chris comes to the school and she agrees to go to the play with Doc. She's trying to tell him to back off. But she agrees to go to the play with him. And he's like, look, just go to the play with me. And if you don't like me, I'll back off forever. But if you do like me, we'll figure out where what this thing is all about. And she's like, you're so obnoxious. She says no meaning. <laughs> Basically, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You're so obnoxious. Come hold my hand and walk me to the play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just to just to go back really quickly for one second about the whole Neil lying to his lying to um to Mr. Keating. In that one scene where he like tells Mr. Keating that he went and talked to his dad and his dad told him that he could do it, isn't it just so obvious that Neil is lying? No, oh, so obvious. And Mr. Keating just goes along with it. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been as a, as an educator, right? One of those really important moments to sort of push back, push back uh-huh. against that that um and really sort of do a little more digging there i mean that's one of the places where i think the the movie loses me just a little bit because i mean i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway <laughs> it was a troublesome spot for me it was it was a real sticky wicket um and we we see keating understand that he's lying but not know what to do about it Right. Uh, so we see the play. The costumes are terrible, but the play is great. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're era uh, accurate. Yes. 
Neil is great as Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream. He gets a standing ovation. Everyone's like, oh, he's so wonderful. He's so magical. Everyone in the play is like excited to see him. But uh uh-oh, Red from that 70s show is there. (laughs) He watches the play and is unmoved. Mm -hmm. At the end, he grabs Neil and drags him away. Mr. Keating is like, uh, hey, this is so great. Thank you for letting him do it. And and, and Mr. Uh, Perry is like, stay away from my son. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. And, and that's where you can kind of see that, okay, now the adults, now that they're aware of these, of what these kids are doing, they're going to start pinning it on Robin Mr. Williams. Mr. Keating, yeah. Yep. Well, um, Neil even uses Shakespeare's own text to speak directly to his father during the play. It's so a mm-hmm. really lovely moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. Really good. The play and, uh, within the play is pretty great. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, um, so I was in Midsummer Night's Dream when I was in high school. And um, I definitely watched this movie around that time. I don't know if it was the first time that I watched the movie or not, but I remember thinking, Puck is not the lead in that play. Yeah, Puck is not the lead. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't want to be Puck. Like, I wanted to be Hermia or Helena, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but um, I digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would he love to be Puck the now. beginning and the end. Yes. Yeah. It's the most fun part. Yes. But it's not the lead. <laughs> it's not really much of a play that has a lead, really. It's right. It's much an ensemble cast anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at Neil's home, they basically tell him that because he was in one play one time, they're going to take him out of Welton Academy and put him in a military school. Just like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Just so like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, which seems pretty harsh. Mm-hmm. And he says to his mom, I was good. I was really good. So then we get the, this is where the sad part happens. Neil is all in shadow. He opens his windows and puts on his crown. His shadow goes downstairs. We see him uh, holding onto a key. He opens a drawer. He takes out a gun. The dad wakes up. What was that sound? Neil is dead. Neil has killed himself. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Charlie wakes up Todd. They run out into the snow. Oh, it's so beautiful out here. He throws up. He runs away. He says it was his father. His father did it. Neil would have never done that. Mr. Keating cries over the Dead Poet Society book. They're all singing at a church service and saying how sad they are to have lost Neil. But the point is that Mr. Nolan is going to do a full inquest into this matter at the request of Neil's family. Yeah, this is when it becomes a witch hunt. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the Dead Poets Society get together. They know that Cameron, their weakest link, is going to think. And he does indeed. He says they're not after us. They're after Mr. Keating. I say let Keating fry. Nuanda punches uh, Cameron in the face and he says, you can save yourselves, but you can't save Keating. So the movie has taken an abrupt left turn at this point. Mm-hmm. I um in that moment there, there was that one of the things that points to the really how well written this film is, I think is, is that Cameron, I don't know if you remember in the very beginning first scenes of the film, he wasn't like an original member of the group. 
you know, he mm-hmm. sort of comes into Neil's room and is like, hey, are we going to hang out this year, basically? And and he says, yeah, you can you can be part of the group. And then there's that moment where then they're all in the room together. And he's like, well, I told Cameron he could join us, basically. Mm-hmm. And then now Cameron is that sort of, yeah, the weak link that snitched the, you know, if everything maybe would have been different if Cameron hadn't joined them, <laughs> you know, there yeah. was that that moment. So I thought mm-hmm. just that that was like I had that that sort of revelation when I was watching it this time. He's the worm tail of their group. Yeah. To, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, basically uh, they uh, question all the boys. They already know everything because Cameron has told them they have him sign a form saying that Mr. Keating is responsible Mm-hmm. And um, they they handle this scene really well, like dramatically, like beforehand, you know. So we're taking the the point of view of Ethan Hawke's character, and we think, okay, he's going to go in, and this is going to be the big inspirational moment where he tells everyone off. But he goes in, and boom! Immediately, his parents are sitting there. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, that's that new level, and then also. They they know everything. They just misinterpret it. You know, they already know about the Dead Poet Society. They know every single member. They know what they did. And they just want him to corroborate and sign this and say it was Keating who made encouraged you. And he looks at the thing and everyone has signed. Yep. 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 You really don't. You get the impression he doesn't really have a choice at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But we do get a sort of nice moment where Keating is packing up his bags. He's been fired. He's upstairs packing his bags. And we see the teacher who told him originally not to let the boys be free thinkers leading his boys in their uh, in their Latin class out on the ground. So he's like, oh, he has had an impact on the other teachers as well. He's walking them around. He's letting them get some air. He's being a little bit more unconventional. Keating has had an impact on the teachers as well. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice thing I noticed in this uh, watch through that I hadn't noticed before. Mm-hmm. back in English class Mr. Nolan is teaching now and he's like let's read that really great essay that we all love about how to put the poems on a graph <laughs> Uh huh. and so they're good. all like we ripped it. out that page I love that part <laughs> <laughs> taking so much joy into it too yeah uh-huh. read, let's read the excellent essay by Mr. Pritchard <laughs> on how to analyze the poems. Um, Mr. Keating comes to get his personal things. Of course it had to be Todd, right then. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. he had to come during class. Oh, is this a bad time? Is this a bad time? <laughs> oh, I'm so I, sorry. I can come back if it's Am a I bad time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Todd calls out to him, they made us sign the paper. We didn't want to, Mr. Keating. We didn't want you to get fired. And he's like, that's okay. And then we get this sort of chaotic scene of Mr. Nolan being like, leave Mr. Keating and Mr. Keating not leaving. And then all the boys being I'll like, I'll leave very slowly. I'll leave very, very slowly. It's like, I am leaving then, one uh-huh. little step at a time. Look, yeah. I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, Captain, my captain, says Todd as he stands on his desk. Oh, Captain, my captain, says another student as he stands on his desk. And then one by one, about mm-hmm. half the students say, oh, Captain, my captain, and they stand on their desks. Um, yeah, yeah and, 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 and I'm glad that it wasn't all the students. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. <clears throat> there's a bad version of this movie. Like, there's been bad versions of this movie, even, you know, not like a literal remake. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like everyone stands is the bad version, you know? Yeah. Yep. Instead, we need to know the faces of the people who stand. It's like, oh, that guy, he didn't seem like he was into it. Oh, that makes us get feel emotions, you know? Yeah, exactly. The the most reluctant kid stands on his desk. And he doesn't say, oh, captain, my captain, but he stands on his desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the bad version of this movie is too magical with its inspiration and and uh it doesn't have the realism that this movie has you know Mm -hmm. and that's the end thank you boys says mr keating and out he goes that's the end um i remember watching this in my english class when i was in high school and them uh really analyzing the scene where neil uh, uh kills himself and saying, what does it mean that he's all in shadow? What does it mean that uh, his dad is turning on the lights everywhere, but doesn't turn the lights on in his room? And it just like really analyzing that part mm. um, to death. Huh. That's great. All right. So. Ooh. Uh-huh. Anything that we didn't hit uh, or cover mm. that we want to discuss? All right. What uh, on a scale of one <laughs> book of poetry <laughs> to ten? No, 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 no. We're on the graph. We're on the graph. <laughs> on the graph. On, a, on the printed graph. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to ten, rating its importance and its perfection. Yes. Where, where on the graph does Dead Poet Society land? Oh, that's a tough one. Is it? I'm going to come out of the gate and give it a 10. Wow. Mm -hmm. I think this is a a beautiful movie. I wouldn't change anything about it. Um, I think it is as much as the the B story with the girl and uh, Knox Overstreet doesn't hold up. I think the rest of it holds up beautifully. Uh, and this is a timeless classic that you should show to future generations and should be watched in English classes and should be yeah. uh, taught to kids. So I give it a 10 on the Pritchard scale. Well, and I would even say like in that situation with Knox, like it's still a reflection of of uh, of what what can happen and what happens. I think it still feels mm-hmm. very real. And, and mm-hmm. as far as it like not holding up in terms of us being like, ooh you shouldn't do that you're still rooting for him the whole time yeah. you know you're like you shouldn't do that because you, that's not you know but uh-huh and part of us is being adults saying uh that's a bad move kid yeah, <laughs> you know right right yeah exactly yeah i would give it a nine nine point five yeah okay all right so i thought my rating was high but um it which is 8.5 books of poetry okay mm-hmm. Um, I felt I like maybe well. the, maybe the, yeah, now I feel like the asshole. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're the Cameron of this yeah. group. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I still stood on the desk. Okay. Like okay. 8.5 is pretty respectable. Um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, it, 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 I think we've said this before, like anything that's like a, an eight and above didn't do anything wrong. You know, mm-hmm. it's just how it resonates with you perfectly. Like, yeah, maybe I felt like the middle of the movie was a little slow. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. I think so. The reason I'm, I'm not giving it a full 10 would be that it just leaves me wanting a little something more. 
and mm-hmm. I can't quite put my finger on it. And I remember feeling that way every other time I've watched it too. Like it just, there's something about it. And at the, I think when I was younger, it was like, I need to know more. I can't, I'm not ready for this film to be over. And yeah. now I f- sort of feel like when I was watching it, it was that scene, that scene where Neil was lying to the teacher. It was that, that moment sort of just didn't quite land for me the way mm. that, that. So, I mean, not that, so my perspectives have changed, but I still feel sort of, I leave it. I leave the experience wanting just a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. You, there's a part of me and and maybe it's not the right move that wants to know what happens to them next, you know, a little more of the assimilation of, yeah. of their experience, but that, that I think it's fine that yeah. that we don't get that like we yeah. don't like there's like you could the two ways you could have done that is you end it like american graffiti and you say what happened to them later mm-hmm. um or you have a framing device like stand by me to where you have the which i i feel also wouldn't have worked which you know like the richard like you get um like knowing that the Ethan Hawk character is the one who's looking back on this and thinking, you know, right. and how it changed their lives. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that also would have not, that also would have been a detriment to the story because you mm-hmm. have to kind of feel like the situation is, is inescapable. Like right. we can't, we don't have the safety of having looked back on it. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. The other thing that was hard for me, and I remember feeling this every other time I've watched as well, even as a as a young kid, being like, his dad needs to know it was his fault. That it was yeah. his fault. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, and so there's no there's no payoff in that way either. But I I also understand why there isn't, because his father can't he'll never understand that, no matter what anybody right. does, you know, he'll never mm-hmm. he'll never get there. And I think as a kid, especially as looking back on myself as a young kid, you know, wanting to feel like I can, I could change people's minds or like, if they just knew this, you know, then they would change or this, you know, but that's not how the world works. You know, that's not how people work, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that, it, but it's hard because even now watching it, I'm like, Oh, I just want him to know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, want, I want that dad, that dad to know that he was at fault. <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting as if you had a power to teleport into works of fiction. Mm. If, you, if you could go into movies or things like that. And instead of, doing it to change the events you go it's like no this asshole needs to know he's the bad guy damn it (laughs) yeah (laughs) that is such a good point i'm glad that you brought that up because yeah uh, and you know at the moment where he's like for the request of neil's family there's going to be a full inquest into who's at fault and it's like but you're at fault you're like neil you Mm should have just written a letter why didn't you leave a letter (laughs) yeah dad you were totally at fault yeah. Love Neil. Neil um, really let us down. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, <laughs> Neil. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. <laughs> Way to fail at everything. <laughs> so what about a deep cut recommendation? Uh, uh, something that you would like if you like Dead Poet Society. Nathan, is yours Harry Potter? <laughs> it is not. Okay, good. <laughs> I was leaning into that. Um so for mine, it's like, okay, so for me, I, I really responded, I, I suppose, to this 
the the story of like rebelling against conformity of living in a a, a world or a life and you know you want to just break out and sing no it's not a musical um so yeah, i was thinking I, was I mean there's a lot of really serious ones but a, a fun version of this uh is uh pleasantville mm-hmm. um which is a great great movie from the late 90s that i think doesn't um get brought up often enough mm, i love that movie yeah and it it's definitely has a, a lot of great magical realism Basically, um, you know, Toby Maguire and Reese Witherspoon are zapped into Leave It to Beaver, you know, mm-hmm. and and then they start changing the world and giving people, a, you know, a, a way, you know, to look outside of the conformity and and um, and and experience something beyond like the constrained format that they live in, you know. That's a great one. Good job. You're welcome. (laughs) Good choice. Thanks. Megan, do you have a deep cut recommendation? Um, Yeah. So I have a couple because it's hard for me to decide. Um, But I'm going to go with uh, just sort of sticking with the themes of of school and young minds sort of being transformed. Um, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. (laughs) Yeah, really. Sort of a a lighter, sort of more positive (laughs) outcome at the end, right? But still similar (laughs) ideas. Um, And then... um, Another one that had a really big impact on me as a as a young person was Dangerous Minds. Yeah. Was the, the very first R-rated movie I ever watched. Wow. And uh, I don't know if it, it holds up <laughs> as well. I haven't seen it in years, uh-huh. but, but I'm inspired to watch it again. <laughs> nice. Oh, those are great. Perfect. Uh, so mine is a Saturday Night Live sketch. Yeah. <laughs> it's, called, it's called Farewell, Mr. Bunting. <laughs> When you look it up, that's uh-huh. what you'll search for. Uh, you okay. can either search for Saturday Night Live Dead Poet Society sketch or search it by name, Farewell Mr. Bunting. But it is a parody of the last scene uh, where Mr. Keating uh, comes in and, and the boys all stand at their desks and say, oh, Captain, my captain. It's a parody of that scene. And I don't want to give away what happens because the uh, the twist is so beautiful and perfect. I want you to look it up and I want you to go watch this. Uh, mm-hmm. this uh, I can't wait. This is a great mm-hmm. sketch. Farewell, Mr. Bunting. And when you when you get to the surprise, it will all be worth it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, so Megan, where can people find and support your uh, artistic endeavors? Oh, um, well... Um, <laughs> they can follow me on, um, social media, I suppose. Um, all of my handles are Megan Hughes Reaney. Um, and they can support the last movie ever made, which is, um, <laughs> which is a, just a wonderful piece of um, fiction and, uh, and will be released hopefully sometime next year. Excellent. Yay. Uh, Nathan, uh, any place where people can support your artistic endeavors, including the last movie ever made? Yes. So um, uh, squishystudios.com is the easiest route to go. That's where you can see all our socials and links and stuff like that. 
and you can check out like the latest links for our uh, movie, the last movie ever made. Excellent. So. Uh, you can find me at nctphoenix.com or the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona. Uh, you can find us on the Instagrams and the Facebooks at Most Excellent Pod. Um, and if you want more at this point, you want to hear more from us, you want uh, more content, you want more of us on the discords and everything, uh, do follow us on uh, truestory.fm. You can become a member uh, for just a few bucks a month. You get the episodes one week early. Uh, you get uh, bonus content from us at the end. And you get uh, Discord servers with all kinds of fun discussion, not just of our show, but of all the True Story FM shows. Um, thank you so much for listening and seizing the day with us. Uh, and when you're out there in the world, please keep the most excellent uh, 80s movies podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and party on. Party on, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs>